0: Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian, and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello there. The title for this Truth Talk is The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. Now, I know that that sounds a bit like the title of an unpublished Dan Brown novel, but of course, there is actually one famous book already written by that title. It's by T.E. Lawrence, aka Lawrence of Arabia. However, what I want to talk about is neither the material for a novel nor for an autobiographical historic account. You see, the phrase, the seven pillars of wisdom, comes from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, which reads, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. Well, what are they? Obviously, you know, a statement like this in Proverbs begs the question, so what are these seven pillars of wisdom? So I decided to do some research into this verse. See, I thought it would bring some distraction from this COVID-19 obsession of our days. So I dived into having a look at the meaning of this. And it took me down some very strange paths. But in the end, it yielded insights that apply to us right now in our circumstance. So why don't you join me in my little journey of discovery? Well, first off. I discovered that few people have much of a clue of what these seven pillars represent. Some say that the text in question, the Proverbs text, represents a figurative house where wisdom is said to set out to a banquet of good food for the people to come and dine off. Others say it refers to the seven, people, seven pillars that were thought by the ancients to support the flat disk of the earth. Yet others speculate that there are references to seven sections of the book of Proverbs itself. And some Jewish scholars teach that they are the seven sciences, sciences of the ancient schools of knowledge, the Hokmot in rabbinical literature, and so on. Well, I don't actually think that any of these proposals makes much sense, either logically or biblically. But there again, there are some other commentators who have attempted to locate the meaning of the seven pillars in the Bible itself. And there are two main lines of thought here. One is from the Old Testament and one from the New. From the New is the idea that James 3.17 is a list of the seven pillars of wisdom. Now, this is unlikely to be valid, mainly because it assumes that James is giving the inspired interpretation of Proverbs 9.1. But there's no real evidence of this, and there's no reference to the proverb itself at all. The second attempt to find the meaning of these pillars is taken from another proverb, Proverbs 8, verses 12 to 14, which lists, they say, seven virtues attributed to wisdom. Now, problem here is that this particular passage contains no reference to the word pillars or anything like pillars. And you know what? We'd have to combine two of these virtues, prudence and discretion, to try and get a list of seven anyway. And we'd also have to ignore other elements in the passage, that could be taken as additional pillars of wisdom. So that doesn't quite fly with me. So after exploring these cul-de-sacs, I backtracked a little. And I rather turned my attention to the prophet Jeremiah. I went to Jeremiah 43, verse 13. This is where the thing hots up a bit. Here Jeremiah records how the people of Israel were wanting to establish an alliance with Egypt. However, God warned them, through Jeremiah, that he was about to send the Babylonians to punish Egypt. He warned them he was about to send judgment on Egypt. And verse 13 actually says this, he will break down the sacred pillars standing in the temple of the sun in Egypt, and he will burn down the temples of Egypt's gods. Oh, okay. So is this a reference then to the pagan temple layout? Perhaps that That Proverbs is referring to? Is this in mind? Has it got something to do with false wisdom being judged, God warning about that, but true wisdom in himself being the source of knowledge and life? You know the ESV version of the Bible actually translates the words here, sacred pillars, as obelisks. And most translations take the word Heliopolis as an alternative to the Temple of the Sun. So we're talking here about obelisk, sacred pillars, being erected in Heliopolis, the Temple of the Sun. And this sent me down a whole nother path of discovery. Now first of all, let me explain what an obelisk is. An obelisk is a monolithic, that means carved from one rock, four-sided pillar with a pyramid-shaped capstone at the top. And they were mostly huge constructions, weighing a huge amount and they reached up into the sky. Some scholars believe that they were styled after the ancient phallic symbols, but the imagery is not quite akin to that. It's more like a giant needle piercing the heavens and connecting the physical to the spiritual worlds. Now, there's a suburb in modern Cairo in Egypt, where they've discovered the remains of this temple of the sun, the ancient temple city of Heliopolis. Archaeologists have found evidence of the location of the sacred pillars, of the obelisks. They found that one probably stood right in the center of the layout, and that the others were in pairs in front of the entrance to the actual temple. Well, in later years, the Roman Empire came along and invaded that part of the world, and emperors took these wonderful sacred pillars, these power symbols, and scattered them to the five corners of the earth. I should have said four corners, but you'll see why I say five. As symbols of their power, of their dominance, of the dominance of the Roman Empire. One giant pillar still actually remains at the Cairo dig. But five were exported to different locations around the world. And one, the seventh, didn't actually leave the quarry at all. It was never erected in the first place. Istanbul, Paris, London and New York currently have one obelisk each. And a fifth stands in St. Peter's Square in the Vatican City of Rome. Cairo, of course, is the home to the sixth one, which is still on the original site. So that makes six accounted for. But the seventh was to be the largest of all. But it cracked during the process of hewing. They, f- they found it. They found this thing still lying in the quarry. So it never left the quarry. It was never erected in the first place. Interestingly... The largest of all the obelisks ever made was much later, in 1848, erected in Washington, D.C., and it's known as the Washington Monument. So the largest planned sacred pillar in Heliopolis, the temple city of the sun god Ra, the center of power for the pagan ancient civilization, was just never completed but the largest of all obelisks ever made was constructed and erected a millennia later or so in Washington DC. So now, here's where the story sounds like it was in fact written by Dan Brown. You see, Dan Brown and many others have speculated on the possibility of an ages-long international conspiracy to control the world. Some call it the Illuminati, others say Bill Gates and other billionaires. Some say it's China. And there's even one, which I believe to be a rather nutty fraud, who believes that there are reptilian shape-shifting aliens who have come to Earth to take us over. But in all these mythical tales, and they are mythical tales, there's one key idea presented. And that is that these powerful conspirators, whoever they may be, have established secret signs of their dominance in plain sight, that they've erected them in plain sight in the major power centers of the world. So, just indulge me for a bit and consider this. Rome, and the Vatican in particular, where one of these sacred pillars now stands, is the power center of the Roman Catholicism, which is a major international religious system, the biggest in the world. London, where another one stands, is the financial power centre of Europe. New York, where yet another has been erected, is the financial capital of North America. Paris is the power centre of one of the former major world colonising powers and it is today France's most important centre of commerce and culture. Istanbul used to be called Constantinople. And it was the capital city of both the Eastern Roman Empire and the Ottoman Empire. It was also once a crusader state. And it was greatly contested by both Islam and Christendom. It was a power center, fine power center, of economic and cultural significance. Washington is the political and military power center of the United States of America. And Cairo, number seven is the site of the original temple of the great, so-called great sun god Ra, the very center of the original pagan power religion. Are these then perhaps signs of pagan dominance in plain sight in the nations of our world? And is this worldwide idolatry something that God must judge and perhaps Is about to judge. By the way, absent from any important locations are China, Russia, Australia, Japan, and the third world in general. I can't answer why that should be the case. Hmm. Okay, perhaps I need to state up front that I do not endorse conspiracy theories of any kind. In fact, they irritate me to distraction. I've given you all this information. Uh, because I find it interesting, and I hope that you'll find it interesting. But mainly because it sets the scene for what I want to set out as the main point of what I'm saying here in this Truth Talks. And the main point is this. Sometimes God sends judgment upon people and nations. And they are the people and nations who do not respond to his calls to repent and change. If you want examples of that, Noah's flood and the Babylonians' Invasion of Egypt, which Jeremiah talks about, are clear evidence of this. However, and here's an important point, God does not pour out judgment upon his faithful people. He might chastise, he might correct and all those things, he does not pour out his wrath and judgment. And nor does he execute judgment on the ungodly nations and people without first warning and exhorting them to repent. You know, I think that the current that we are currently in the period where God's warnings are sounding out loud and clear to anyone with an ear to listen, judgment is at the door. Consider the devastation of the world's ecology, the drastic decline of truth, integrity and morality in most societies around the world, plus inequality and neglect of the poor and needy. All these things that we are seeing boiling around us right now are signs of this pending judgment. And now along comes COVID-19 plague. And it's most likely the latest of several biological warnings to humanity that have been sounding out for a long time but are now getting so, so urgent as the times become urgent. You know, if there's one of the lessons from history that we can learn is that when dire warnings come, some change for the good, while others become even more committed to their ungodly ways. That's a principle, by the way, you'll find in Revelation 16.11. God sounds out a warning, and sometimes a powerful, dire warning, and some folk listen, and they change, and they become different for the good. Others, maybe the majority, become even more incalcitrant, committed to their ungodly ways. Now, now, hear me right. I do not think that God sent ISIS terrorists to fly hijacked airliners into the Twin Towers in New York, by the way. However, I do believe that through that disaster, he worked on the hearts and minds of individuals and nations to prompt them to carefully consider their lifestyles and priorities and to change, to turn back to him you know the world psyche changed on that day in history and i believe that the covid-19 pandemic is another such day in history politics business education and the church will never be quite the same again hopefully we'll listen and heed the warnings and become better and learn from the experience but i fear that most will not so I guess you're asking it about this late stage. So come on, Chris, what then are the seven pillars of wisdom, for goodness sake? Well, I concluded my journey from pillar to post, as it were, and as I did, I arrived at three significant passages in the New Testament that actually do reveal the true pillars of wisdom. And they are firstly 1 Timothy 3 verses 15 and 16, which reads as follows. God's household which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Yeah, the church is the custodian of wisdom, of truth. Galatians 2.9 reads, James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars. The leaders of the church were regarded as pillars. Why? Because they were part of that which was, and still is, the pillar of the church built around the single pillar of the Lord Jesus Christ, which represents these pillars of truth. Revelation 3.12 is the third one, where it says, Him who overcomes, this is Jesus speaking, Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. So the church is the true pillar of wisdom. And the world that has been shaken and warned is the center of activity where the church functions in our day. The church is the solid support of truth, integrity, love, and wisdom. And what is more, all who are born again of the Holy Spirit, all who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, are part of the church. We are part of that which is the firm pillar of truth in a world that has been shaken and is approaching judgment. So, you know what? We Christians have an important role to play in these times. And whether we physically meet for worship or we're locked in and, or whether we're released in society, whether we're in South Africa or in any other part of the world, that's not the issue. Because whatever happens, no matter where we are and what our circumstances, we can live and speak out our role as pillars of society. We can do this by pointing others to Jesus as Saviour and Lord and by speaking and living what he modelled and what he taught. Make no mistake, these are difficult and challenging times for everyone. But for those who constitute the church, the pillar of truth, the pillar built around the capstone and the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, these are significant and important times of change for us. So, stand tall, O pillars of wisdom. Take your place as a pillar of truth and integrity and wisdom. Sound forth the clear word that Jesus is the centre of all things. Bring hope and encouragement. Live out the mandate of his life in these shaking times, these times of pending judgement. And may God be with us all. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth Is The Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, Truth Talks.